we're going. Dale Comstock, Joe Teddy, two American warriors. Dale Comstock, Delta Force, Joe Teddy, Dual Survival, Discovery Channel. So I got a bunch of questions from you guys from our Reddit Q&A. And the first one is obviously the touchiest one um, just because of what can and can't be said. But yeah, someone commented that, hey, they've seen they've seen pictures of Joe in Tiger Stripe BDUs with an H&K 416. And they said, that's not, said that's not run of the mill uh, armament. They said only a couple, uh, said only uh, two tier one places can afford that and one three letter agency. And they wanted me to ask you about that. And I'm pretty sure I can't ask you about that. It's uh, colloquially OGA, but is there anything you guys can comment on that or is it, I'd have to tell you. Well, um, I, I've been asked that question uh, dozens of times on interviews and I'm going to give the same answer that I've given every single time. Um, and that is because of moral and ethical and legal reasons, I will never divulge the, uh, the government agency that I worked for uh, or Dale worked for um, because of that. And there's other reasons too, um, the, car the compartmentalization, the way the organization works and all kinds of other things. But, um, but yeah, um, yeah, there's pictures of me online that uh, of me and Tiger Stripes and carrying an HK416. And we, we carried other weapons too. But um, here's what I'll just tell you about the unit. Um, it was, um, uh, first off, you know, um, I didn't even have the proper clearance when, when I first uh, was approached. I only had a secret clearance. So to be there, you had a, you had a TS, uh, SCI, which is a top secret special compartmentalized information, and you had to pass a polygraph. Um, and for what I was told when I was actually talking to the recruiter, he's like, you know, don't get excited because 50% uh, of the people that actually take the polygraph don't even pass. So think about that. If you have 100 guys that you're looking at, now you've got 50, and you only, you're only halfway down the road, not even halfway, uh, and you just took a polygraph and lost half of them. Um, so, you know, and it's not like you can call an 800 number and say, hey, you know, I want to turn in my resume for, yeah. you know, Maybe for, this, for this organization yeah. uh, and for this particular unit. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be vetted, um, invited, um, you know. And then, again, I went through a long process. I'm sure Dale already had at TSSCI being where he came from, but I didn't. So I had to go through a six month clearance process. Uh, and then there's other gates you have to go through and I'm not gonna get into all that stuff. And then I had to go to a six month OTC, uh, an operator course. Um, and actually we graduated four guys, four. To give you an idea how small the unit is, it's very yeah. small. And you guys are, um, and the, but they're taking from Delta and DevGrew. They're taking yes. from there and, and only graduating four. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, their primary recruiting ground was obviously the tier one units. And, you know, um, you know, because you've got a lot of experienced guys out there. I mean, look at Dale's resume. It's yeah. pretty hard to beat. You know, these yeah. are the kind of guys you want as you climb up that ladder of that soft, you know, you got your regular vanilla, you know, yeah. special forces units, your vanilla SEAL team guys, and you got your tier one units, and then you got the unit Dale and I served in. And yeah, they want experienced guys. If I'm not mistaken, I think they wanted a minimum of 10 years in a soft unit. That was like their minimum requirement and then other stuff. But anyway, yeah, man, it was, it was a very, uh, it was a great check to block for me. I got to do some really, really cool missions um, that I would have never thought in a million years in my soft career I'd ever get a chance to do. But that particular unit, they do some pretty, uh, <laughs> they do some cool shit. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dale, you want to take this ball right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Is that a lateral pass? Yeah. I'm, I'm bowing out, brother. I'm handing it off. <laughs> now, um, again, you know, there's things we just can't talk about. There's no cer certain organizations we can't speak of as far as affiliations and things like that. Um, you know, as, as maybe some of you know out there know they're listening. Uh, maybe you don't know. You can easily – you know, Google, Google Dale Comstock, um, Yemen, for example, and you're going to find a lot of news articles out there that have come up um, about my mercenary work, real mercenary work, not contractor work, you know, not working for Blackwater, you know, literally working for foreign, foreign militaries. Um, and um, so, you know, I, and I've done that and uh, I've worked with, you know, there's guys out there that I've worked with. I'll say that, you know, they're, I work with the Legionnaires and others, and uh, even those guys, you know, we, I don't talk too much. I want to identify them because their countries are different than the U.S. For example, um, you know, the countries that some of these guys came from, they could actually be prosecuted for being mercenaries, mm -hmm. even though they may live abroad in other countries. Um, why didn't I get prosecuted? Because it's actually not illegal to be a mercenary um, in the United States, um, as long as um, the country that you're working for um, is in line with the U.S., you know, is, is basically friends with the U.S. government. And, um, and it says it right on the State Department website as well. So I, didn't, I've never, I don't do anything illegal like that, um, but I have worked as a foreign mercenary. Um, you know, basically, you know, this whole soldier of fortune thing, going out and, and using my skills and applying them to help uh, foreign-friendly countries fight the global war on terrorism. And uh, so there's a lot of organizations out there that are, you know, this particular one. In fact, I, I, I can name it all because the, um, you know, the, uh, the heads of the business, I'll say it that way, came out and, you know, they revealed everything. You know, the Spear Operations Group is who I work for. And, um, and uh, you know, it is basically a, a company that specializes in mercenary, you know, international mercenary work. So there's a lot of organizations out there. You know, when we talk about, you know, OGA, you know, some people call it other government agency, Office of Government, <laughs> government Affairs, right? Yeah. So everybody's got, you know, has got a, um, you know, a, an acronym that's, you know, they, a prop, if you will, that they, they put out front um, and they keep the, the real business behind it. So, you know, the, it, it, and we're not here to... Um, you know, obviously, we're not here to reveal secrets or do anything. And there's actually a reason why, besides, you know, for security, that uh, we don't talk about, you know, who we work for. Because, one, we don't want to go to jail. Two, um, <laughs> we don't want to be targeted. And, and that's a very real thing. The group yeah. I was working with for a while, we actually had a couple of guys targeted here in the U.S. Um, in fact, I won't name the base or the person, but the guy was actually shot, all right, shot right. Um, by, you know, I'll just say would look like Middle Eastern men um, on a military base at one day and um, got shot in the stomach, in fact. So, you know, there's there's a lot more to the, these stories, but, uh, you know, the threat is real. And, you know, I'm not I can't hide. Everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows about my exploits. And unfortunately, when I travel around the world, you know, a lot of people recognize me for who I am. I literally had, you know, Indonesians pull up in Jakarta and roll down the window and go, hey, are you the American badass? <laughs> Man, I was like, oh, uh, oh depends. <laughs> are we friends or are we enemies, you know? Yeah, and so, exactly. you know, and actually I became very good friends with this guy, this one particular guy. 
who introduced me to other people. But, uh, you know, you just never know. I also know that there's many ISIS, um, you know, fighters that have come back to Indonesia that are actually um, harassing one of my friends over there. And they also know that, that he's associated with me. And, uh, you know, through his intelligence, uh, you know, his network, you know, I'm, I'm aware of this potential threat out there. So, you know, the threat is real. Um, and guys like Joe and I have to always be, you know, be ready. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't go anywhere without a, a firearm. I mean, I'm always switched on mm -hmm. because, you know, the threat really is here. It's here as well. I already know that. Um, it's not just a foreign threat on our country, in our soil. Um, you know, it's actually a domestic threat as well. There are nutcases out there. I think we talked about this last time. Yeah. Uh, one individual that, not that I'm afraid of him, um, you know, but there are nutcases. I've, I've been threatened by people. I've had people threaten to come to my home and shoot me. For, I don't even know who the hell they are, <laughs> you know, and I take those threats very real. Um, you know, that I hear those threats. I mean, get those threats through uh, social media. So, you know, it's, yep. it's a big deal. And that's why we have to kind of, you know, be careful who we associate with, um, who we were associated with in the past. Unfortunately, you know, when you're in, in a position that I'm in and Joe's in, um, you know, we can't hide from that. We, we just have to be prepared. That's all we can do. You know, we can't, you know, we just can't, we can't run from it. So, yep. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, you got to think other countries have to have the equivalent of the unit you guys are in. Not, not, competent equivalent but in terms of organization or hierarchy you gotta imagine they probably have their own and who else would they want to target but our own right yeah, yeah well well you know what's funny is because um no you're right and so every every country's got this capability and uh you know regardless of you know what kind it is but uh you know we go we travel around the world as americans um training you know, friendly foreign nations on our, a lot of our tactics and techniques and procedures, right. To develop them, be thinking that, you know, um, you know, we're forced multiplying our defense, so to speak, by training our, our allies, but you know, a lot of these allies are not really our allies. Um, you know, and, and these allies, a lot of times are training our, um, training our, our enemies. I'll give an example. <clears throat> um, in Jordan, for example, in Amman, there's a place called Castle Tech, that, uh, that the U.S. government paid for, multi-million dollar training facilities. I mean, I've never seen anything like this for the Americans anywhere. But this yeah. place was just mind-boggling. Um, I mean, it had everything from, you know, uh, you know Airbus, you know, mock-ups. I mean, actual Airbus aircraft, you know, on hydraulics. It had, you know, obstacle courses. It, had, it actually had um, small urban villages, and, you know, for, uh, for urban training. I can go on all day long with the the, the you know, the apparatus, the training apparatus this place had, it was state of the art and our government, our tax dollars paid for this. And guess who, guess who was, they were training. Uh, this was set up to train people, you know, soldiers from Africa, from all over the Middle East. Um, it wasn't there to train Americans. Um, it was open to everybody. And they actually had Americans. I know because I was working with a company to bid on the contract. They actually had Americans there as instructors training these other people, you know? Um, and so, you know, <laughs> Now, do you think that every guy that went through that training at that facility under, you know, under the auspices of, you know, you know, the American government and our training, we're going to train you because, you know, we're friends. You think all those really are friends? How many of yeah. those people took that training and then trained somebody that, you know, was our enemies? So, yeah. you know, it's the and world we live in. 
it, it, it's an, it's, I've never, I've been to some badass training sites. I've been there. It's, it's basically a King Abdullah Special Operations Training Center, uh, Kasadic, and it's in yep. this crazy looking valley. You can actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have a website, but it is like Dale was saying, it's probably got the baddest ass mount site that I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, uh, but yeah, Dale's right. It's, you know, it's sad that you've got this multi hundred million dollar facility that, you know, that people that may not be friendly to the United States is actually training on. It's scary because mm. it can yeah. train you to a very high level. You know, if you've got the money and the facilities, you can pretty much train anybody to do anything. If they've got the will, physical ability, you know, you throw money at it, you know, just like the yeah. people used to work for, they had an unlimited budget. Dude, we, we did a, uh, we did a, I went through a surveillance, counter surveillance course. It was a month long and there was five of us left in the class. We graduated four, but there was five at that time. And we were told there were 40 role players for five of us. You see what I mean? So when you have that kind of money, Jesus. You, know, you can train to a very high level, but yeah, that, that place is insane. I've been to it once. And uh, matter of fact, when I was there, they were still building it. They were still putting it together. Uh, but Google it. It's you, you look at it, you'd be like, "Geez, crazy, Christ. crazy." Yeah. Anyway, the American government spends a lot of money on you know our allies, and uh, you know I don't necessarily agree with all that. Um, I'm kind of on the mindset of Donald Trump, man. We should be taking care of our own, yeah. putting the money into our military, our training facilities, our people. Um, and stop, you know, doling out all this money, this taxpayer tax dollars to all these organizations and all these countries that really are not our friends. And, uh, you know, and so in the, and at the end of the day, man, it's guys like, you know, us, Joe and I and, and my son and others that got to go out there and fight these wars, which, is, you know, are starting to I'm starting to really question, you know, I always kind of have, but even more so now, it's like, you know, it's all a bunch of crap. Um, it's all politically motivated. Somebody's getting, making money off of this stuff and, and good lives are being lost for no reason. And I, like, I'll, I'll use the war in Afghanistan, for example. That war should have been over three months after it started. But no, you know, everybody wanted to pussyfoot around. Everybody had their hand in the dike trying to make some money, you know, and then, and then, you, then you add in the fact that, oh, Americans, you know, they don't have the, they don't have the resolve to, to fight a war like it needs to be but, you know, just like Vietnam, you know, we sit here and a lot of lives are lost for what? You know, Mogadishu, that's a great one. Um, you know, everybody's familiar with Black Hawk Down. You know, think about that for a minute. All right. We lost, you know, we lost quite a few men. Um, not as many as the bad guys, but we lost, you know, yeah. if we lose one American, we lost one too many. Yeah. 18 fatalities. And we had a lot of injuries, a lot of wounded. And, uh, you know, so a lot of men died. So at the end of the day, you know, at the time, our illustrious president, Bill Clinton, um, decided, oh, I got a bloody nose. We're going to pull out. We're going to not we're not going to finish what we started. Right. And so to me, that was the biggest disappointment was, you know, as a commander in chief, when you deploy your, your military to fight. All right. And you give them a mission and an objective. All right. The soldier on the ground, that's his mission, man. He is going to execute his mission if it kills him. Right. That's what we're supposed to do. Duty. Right. And so we expect that from our commander in chief. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. You know, we, we got it. We got in a skirmish. You want to call it we've got a, a major battle. And, uh, you know, and we did kick ass. Real ass. Yeah, we took we took casualties, but we still prevailed. But because of the, you know, the 
the perception and the public outcry, you know, our, our pre, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and call him our president, you know, decided, oh, we're going to tuck tail and run. And so all my, you know, I had five friends over there, personal friends in the uniform with me that are dead. And I'm like, okay, those guys are dead for what? What did they die for? Not a damn thing. Yeah. Not a damn thing. Because our commander in chief did not complete the mission that he expects us to complete, right? So, you know, he, I hold these commanders and, this, you know, the president at the same level, you know, level standard as he would hold us to. If you're going to call yourself my commander in chief, my God, you better see this thing through. If you're going to send me out there to fight, you better be behind me 100% to the bitter end. Don't send me out there, my friends out there, and let some of us get, you know, get killed and, and get wounded and maimed just to change your mind. Um, that's bullshit. And so, um, you know, things like that kind of give me a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of pause. But, uh, you know, so I'm looking, you know, so, you know, you, you said some questions earlier um, you oh, know, yeah. that, that people had. And I'm looking at one right here that uh, it says here, um, do you see SF work as a decent career path, special forces, right? And so, you know, <laughs> so with what I just said a minute ago, it may make a lot of people think, man, why would I even want to go into the military when I'm just cannon fodder? Okay. I'm just a pawn, man. I'm a bullet trap for the politicians. Right. And, uh, and that sounds really bad coming from a guy like me, I guess, but you know, I guess with age and experience, you start, you know, in education, you start to realize, wait a minute, you know, this is a bunch of crap. And all I got it. And I just cited an example of Mogadishu. Okay. Where good men died. Families have gone, going to go without their, you know, their husbands and their fathers because the president of the United States, and I'm talking about Trump, I'm talking about Clinton, yeah. didn't have the balls, all right, to finish what he started. Okay, and that's just one of many examples. I'll use Desert Storm, okay? What do we do there? All right, we pounded the shit out of the Iraqis in Kuwait. And then because, oh, you know, everybody's, oh, my God, please don't hurt the bad men anymore. You know, we pull back. And I can remember, I can remember standing in the field when we got the word that uh, the war was over, and we're like, "How is that possible?" You know, and and you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't finish the job, and of course, you know, it all came down to, you know, well, that's not what, you know, that's what, you know, Joe, Joe and Jane America want. They want us to quit and be nice to the bad man, you know, and uh, let them go home and leave them alone. And I remember standing there telling my team, I said, "You know what? This war ain't over." Uh, it's over today. I said, but our sons will be back to fight it. Mm -hmm. um, I guarantee you, our sons will come back and have to come back and finish it. It'll get even worse. And what, ma'am, I was right. It happened. Here we go. We got to come back because we didn't finish the job the first time. You know, how many more lives died unnecessarily because, and I'll blame the American people for that too, by the way. You know, the politicians, okay, they're the decision makers, but they're influenced by the American people, okay? And they're worried about, you know, their job and perception and all this crap. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of, you know, they, they succumb to the whim of the public. And when you have all these people out there pissing and moaning about don't hurt the bad man, even though he hurt us, and he, and he was very bad to other people, we're going to be the nice guy. What they don't realize is, you know what, that old adage, nice guys finish last, sometimes they don't finish at all. And here we go, right? We lost a lot of good men because the public at the time, every guy out there said, a girl out there said, no, we shouldn't fight the war. We should stop. Okay, you got blood on your hands. You got blood on your hands, okay? And so the same thing with Mogadishu. When you don't, when you don't let the soldiers do their job and finish the mission, you cost them innocent lives. You you basically have 
you've risked their lives, you've cost them their lives, you've cost their families or what you know their livelihoods. We can go on all day long about this narrative, but yeah. going back to the question, do you see you know SF as a decent career path? Absolutely, right? So, and, and there's a lot of benefits to that. So, kind of getting off my little my little rant here about the you know the evils of war and and dumb people. Keep going. Um, awesome. You know. The, the SF is a great career path because you're going to, you know, actually military service is a great career path. I don't care what you do in the military, right? It's, it's the best show in town for a lot of different reasons. You're going to learn, you're going to learn a lot of things that the college, college is never going to teach you. You're not going to learn civilian life. In fact, when you come out of the military, you're going to be light years ahead of the civilian. You're going to come from a culture that's way above the civilian culture, way above it, man. You know, I, I put a post on Facebook yesterday about one of my buddies He's a, locally here. Um, he's a black guy. He's a former, you know, army guy, former medic. He's got combat experience. We're really good friends, and uh, you know, you know, we go out quite a bit, and hang out, and have beers, and you know, and, and we get along really well. And the reason we get along really well is because we have this the same. We share the same culture. We came from the same culture. We didn't start in that culture. Actually, I did. I grew up in the military. My father was in the army. Um, he didn't, but nonetheless, we shared this 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 culture. Um, you know, and these, and these ideas and these experiences and this brotherhood that, you know, allows us to thrive in the civilian world. And we realize, you know what, the army has no, you know, the army green is actually different shades or different hues of, you know, light and dark colors, man. You know, there's no color in the army. And anybody that's been in the military with, you know, most, I think if you're honest, if you're honest about it, you, you'll say, look, man, I'm not going to say racism doesn't exist, but nowhere even close to what's going on in the civilian world. The military culture is, you know, the integrity, you know, the honor, the honesty, the camaraderie, um, the civility is light years ahead of the civilian world, light years ahead of it, you know. And that's why I always recommend everybody do some time in the military, you know, and they get your minds right. But special forces, yeah, it's a way to go. Um, you know, I would re highly recommend it because you're going to learn a lot of job skills. That, <clears throat> believe it or not, you're going to go, well, how can I be, how are special forces Green Beret job skills going to help me in a civilian role? That was my question, right? Because, you know, I'm pretty good at pulling a trigger, but I don't know where I'm going to need that. <clears throat> Actually, it has allowed me to do a whole lot of things. That mindset, the training I got as a Green Beret has allowed me to build three companies. Um, three companies, actually four companies, including the one Joe and I have now, Tier 1 Performance Coaching. So we're in our fourth company. I'm in my fourth company. And I've got, I had two home-based businesses, right? So what I learned in the military allowed me to thrive in the civilian world. And, you know, it's priceless. And I mean, no college, no college degree, no college education can replace what the military has taught me. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, so <laughs> I'm looking at these questions, too. Uh, damn, Bill, you can die. I rear the mouth, dude. Yeah, God, no, man. That was only 18 freaking minutes. Hey, hey Jesus you guys Christ. just get off the show. Go shopping for like an hour or something. Come back. Yeah. Like that. Oh, my God, God man. I, that was wonderful, man. Well, Because I, I always fucking oh, go and oh, rant. Oh, I, I, I enjoyed sitting back. I could have ran around the block and went to the gym and come back, and Dill was still talking. All right. Well, um, beat him. <laughs> fire a question off to me, man. Let's hear something. Well, I actually have one right here that I'm looking at. Yeah, hey, he was asking – Huh? You never, yeah. you never, you never ask. You never ask. Do you have a question? You always ask. Do you have a question pertaining to this subject? I did that one in the non-commissioned officers course. Um, I said, you know, as part of my test, does anybody have any questions? And then, of course, some some jackass. Yes, sir. Um, when was the last time you had sex? I'm like, come on, you know. Clarify <laughs> <laughs> that. So, so one, of, one of the questions, Tom. One yeah. of the questions I was looking at here um, was, uh, what is the hardest physical 
training, military training I've ever been through. Um, and so um, that's an easy one. Uh, I've been to like 30 schools, 30 formal military schools, and by far the hardest was ARS, um, Amphib Recon School. Uh, I went through it uh, right when I got into second force, but actually I had to go through four, four months of RIP, the Recon and Doctorization Platoon, but what sucked is I got the second force in the summer and my ARS class didn't start until winter. So, and at that time, ARS, which I think they call ARC now, that's where you got your 0321 MOS, kind of like going through BUDS for the Navy. This was like the qualification to get your, your 0321 recon qualification. So it was in a place um, called Fort Story, Virginia. And, and I'm going to boil it way down, dude. It sucked. It was in the winter. You're swimming in the fucking Chesapeake Bay, you know, in the winter twice a day you know, up to like three or four miles. I think our, our longest swim was four miles. You're swimming with a freaking um, chicken vest on, BDUs, and you're towing a rucksack. So you're carrying a rucksack, you know, and then when you get out of the water, you know, you, you, bet you actually swam down the coastline, got out of the water, the instructors are sitting there drinking coffee. Oh, you want to quit? You want to quit? Blah, blah, blah. And then you got to run back to the starting line with this heavy ass rucksack on that you've been in the water, you know, for two or three hours swimming. So anyway, it was just freezing ass, cold, miserable school. It just sucked. Very Spartan compound, a few Quonset huts, you know, uh, some um, telephone poles, pull up bars, and it was right on the beach. And that's all you need to torture somebody is sand, cold water and a telephone pole and, and welcome to hell. So that was the hardest physical school I ever went to. But remember, Every school's different. Some are <coughs> mentally hard. Some are, you know, technically hard where you have to, you know, um, you know, do like dive physics and uh, go through the dive tables and all that stuff where one second and the whole thing's wrong. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was definitely the hardest physical school for me um, by far. I mean, yeah, the Q course was hard. Yeah. A lot of rocking, you know, same with SFAS, a lot of rocking, but ARS was rocking and swimming. <laughs> it was a long school and it was a winter class and it sucked. I mean, I think we, dude, it was like in 83 when I graduated. I think we started with, Jesus, man, like 77 guys, something like that. And I think we graduated 13. Jesus Christ. And these are all guys that went through, you know, came from 2nd Recon Battalion and 2nd Force and already went through RIP to prepare you to go to ARS. So anyway, yeah, that was that. Suck. Wouldn't do it again for a million dollars. Thank you. Hey, there's a question on here about what was the bond with their respective teams. Um, I just had this conversation yesterday with someone. You know, our team. When you're on a team, it's like that's your family, man. It's like you're a team of brothers. I mean, you think about this, man. You're gonna spend your entire day with the same guys, training. You know, you know, doing a lot of cool and hard stuff. You know, and then you're gonna go down range. Um, you're going to be spending months, years together, living downrange, you know, wherever it may be. And uh, you tend to get very close to your team, more so than your family, because you actually spend more time with them than your family, yeah. you know. So, uh, you know, going back to the earlier, uh, the earlier question about, uh, you know, special forces is a good career path. I'll, I'll warn you this, on this one. Uh, you know, if you want to be in special forces, more power to you. You know, we need more SF guys, but understand one thing, you're probably going to get divorced. Um, and it's probably going to be more than once if you're, if you keep going back to the well and getting remarried. Right. So I've been married several times. All right. I'm embarrassed to say that, but I have been married several times and people ask me, Comstock, why do you keep getting married? And I thought, yeah, why do I keep hearing? Because I'm not a damn quitter, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but that's something to think about, you know, and, um, 
And here's another one I want to address real quick. This is kind of one of my pet peeves. What is there? What is our opinion on women in SF and SOP, Special oh, Operations Forces? Oh, Ooh, man. Um, I was on the show with Alan West to address that one time uh, when this whole thing, this ugly thing started rearing his head. Let me say this. Okay, there's different parts of special operations, right? So I don't have a problem with women in certain roles in special operations. No problem, but don't. I'm not, I'm completely 100% opposed to women being on a team as an operator and as a salter, okay? Um, I just completely against it, right? So, and here's why. In my experience, actual experience with women, actually training women for this role, I have yet to find one that has the, the, the physicality all right, the endurance, the mindset, okay, to, to actually do the job. And, and so everybody wants to fight the last war, right? Because they're riding around in vehicles, they're getting a tick, and everybody's getting out fighting, even the girls, because they don't have a choice, right? It's either fight or die. And so they always want to fight the last war. And go, oh, well, you know, look at this. They're getting in firefights. Why can't it be special forces? Because special forces, man, special operations, if you're going to be an operator, I mean an operator, man, a trigger puller, okay, um, you've got to be in super damn good shape. Okay, and no, no lie, everybody knows it, man. The average rucksack for the average operator is probably anywhere from 80 to 100 pounds. Um, not include your load-bearing equipment, your weapons, and, and what, whatever you have to hump every day. Okay, if, if, and men are, and women are not equal. Okay, newsflash, we are not equal. Because if we were equal, all right, then women would be fighting, you know, in the boxing ring with men, MMA with the men. They would be doing everything a man can do, but physically we are different. In fact, I'll go so far to say is emotionally we are different, okay? They're like, oh, well, they can handle more pain than men because they have babies. Uh, you know what? That's kind of a stupid because I don't – let me try to have a baby. I'll, I'll tell you if I, who's better, right? I can't have a baby because physically it's impossible, yeah. okay? So – but well, I can tell you with my experience, over 35 years of hardcore combat experience, okay, jungle warfare, desert warfare, you name it, right, in some of the most extreme conditions for period, long periods of time, weeks and months, okay, it's, 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 just, it's just not going to fly. I have seen what happens when you integrate men and women. It always turns out the same. And I'll give you, here's my example, one of my examples. Going to Desert Storm, we had to stop off at, in Spain on the way to Iraq and we had to stay in a hangar and it was a whole over place and it was one section area section off. Okay. It had a bunch of cots and it had about 45 women over there. Guess what? Every one of them was pregnant on the way back to the U S all right. <laughs> and now think about that for a second. How does that work out? And how, Oh, wait a minute. What you're having sex while you're down range. Uh, maybe you should be keeping your legs closed and thinking about your job. No, maybe it was a ticket to get out of there. Right. There was a lot of that going on. There was a lot of prostitution going on out there. You know, and I've been in I've been in base camps where, you know, I've had women I've literally had women come on to me and you know try to tip me down that road and and boys will be boys and girls will be girls and ultimately what ends up happening is imagine this let me just paint a picture you're in the jungle somewhere all right it could be a training event it could be real real combat right South America for example and you're out in the bush for two three four weeks at a time. Right, only resupply you might be getting is from a helicopter drop or digging up a cache or something. But everything you're you're living off of, you're carrying off your back. Let me tell you, anybody's ever been to the jungle? After day one, you're sweating like a pig. Okay, you're getting crotch right, you're getting rashes. You know, you're not taking a bath. You're not going to get a shower. You're rolling around in mud, getting bitten by bugs. You're up all day, all night. You're tired. And guess what? When you when you the team stops in a defensive perimeter. 
usually, especially a small special operations team, what do we do? We go back to back on our rucksacks, facing outward. It's a tight perimeter. <clears throat> and then when you got to go take a shit, you're not going to go wander off in the jungle and go take your dump with a roll of toilet paper and a shovel. Hey, I'll be back, guys. Nope. You're going to do it right there in the middle of the perimeter into a plastic bag yeah. for everybody to enjoy. Because that's what you do, right? Because it's you, you know, that's what you do, man. You, it's all about, you know, you know, not revealing yourself, not revealing your presence. You know, trying to keep a low key. If you're a special operations team, you're not a, you are not an infantry company, a rifle company. You know, okay, you can't afford to be compromised. Okay, especially if you're moving to an objective. I mean, you talk to guys in Vietnam that have done this kind of stuff. Okay, the LERPs particularly. You know, the special forces. There's some things that happen on a team that have to happen for everybody's security. What do you think is going to happen when you got a woman out there? I, okay, probably after the first day, I'm not going to want nothing to do with it anyways because everybody's going to smell like crap and she's going to look like shit. <laughs> but, you know, after about two weeks, it's like, okay, well, you know, uh, you know, the yeah. hormones start setting in. It's like yeah. everything starts looking good, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you know. Dale's right. Dale's right. Ahead, I think <laughs> there is a place for women in special operations. Um, but I agree with Dale as well, as far as being an assaulter and getting in a stack and, and doing direct action kind of stuff. I, I just don't see that. Now I know some studly women. As a matter of fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think two or three women have graduated from Ranger school. Okay. I don't know if the standards were lowered. I've talked to some people that were in the know and they said they were, I don't know. I wasn't there, but Hey, if you can make the standard good on you, but to, to put them in a team with men, you got a bunch of raging type a male and probably a raging, raging type a female. How does that, how's that going to work? How, how is that possibly going to work? Yeah. And guys are naturally going to worry about the woman anyway, more so than their other teammates. Cause that's what men do. I just, I, I think, look, it's, it's crazy as it sounds. Look, if, 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 if the military leadership wants to form, have, you know, women and SEAL teams and SF, you know, form an all-female team or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Like, if that is what they have to do, put 12 women on a team and let them go do their thing. But do not integrate men and women in direct action type missions. It's, that is just not yeah. – that's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. And I do know some studly women. I know some studly <laughs> women. I know women that can PT circles around me, but that that's only part of it. Yeah. I, I've actually, I did a show one time with Alan West um, and we, we had this very conversation and, you know, after I got, and I said the same thing I just said now, you know, I'm not, look, I love women. Um, but we all know our place. I can't do certain things women can do, nor do I want to. Everybody has their gender roles, right? Um, and I'm not into political correctness. I don't care about PC. I don't care about your feelings, okay? I'm just being realistic. And here's why I'm being realistic, especially now. I have a son in special force. I don't want my son to get killed, okay, because someone on the team is underpowered. I don't want my son to get killed because somebody just didn't have the power to pick him up and carry him off the battlefield, okay, or carry their own equipment. Um, there's a, there's, you know, these are all factors that, you know, I've had, I had, I had all kinds of civilian dudes, never spent a day in the military, throw me under bus, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and call me all kinds of names because you hate women, you know, you're an evil man, you know, it's like, man, all right, first of all, if you've never been in the military, especially if you've never been in special operations, uh, you need to shut the, shut up, up, right? Because yeah, you exactly. got, look, 
you have no more business telling me about my profession than I do telling brain surgery, hey, you should be prescribing aspirin for this, not and not doing that, right? I, I'm way out of my, you know, way out of school right now, you know, and, and same with them. I've been there and done that. I've I've done the hard time, I've done the hard work. I was alert, alert, okay, as a Green Beret, as a Delta Force operator, I've been a mercenary and I've done other stuff that Joe and I talked about earlier, right? I know what it's like to carry heavy loads for long periods of times under stress with a lot of injuries and dude and you know try carrying you know how many guys it takes to carry one dude that's down four minimum minimum and you're not going to go very far with you it ain't like on the movies dead weight sucks yeah Yeah. exactly so you know there's my little (laughs) rant on that one next question joe you got it it's an easy one tom i I sent you all the questions so that you could choose which ones because i'm 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 going out of list here man yeah, yeah well, well, let me look. <laughs> um, okay, what about this one? What are their thoughts on the quote unquote botched raid in Venezuela that recently went down? Oh man. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't and I, and I, I don't know a lot about it, but what I do know about it, a former Green Beret, I guess, and some guys went down there with some mercenary types to try to unseat the president. Is that is that the one you're talking about, Tom? That's what the question says. I personally don't yeah. know. Yeah, what that's the only one I know about. That's the only one I know about. Uh, and it was recent. Uh, former Green Beret, you know, goes down there and they try to unseat the president. I don't know a lot of details about it. I just know I do. South. Oh, I actually have, right. I actually have personal insight on it. Okay, so I'm gonna just say I have some personal insight on it. Okay. And I'll leave it at that. Um, I know what that whole deal was. How that this whole thing played out for the most part, and how it should have played out. And it didn't. So everything for I'm getting this from a very reliable source. Okay. Remember what I told you what I did earlier. These guys were way outside their skill set on many, many levels. Um, they got a they got a great idea that you know they put a good idea, fairy started flying around and they got all hyped up on it and, <clears throat> and they went down and ran. So here's my thoughts on that, right? So every time I've done any kind of work like this, you better have an out. You better have an out. And you bet when one you got to realize one thing. Nobody's coming to get you out. There's no big mill to back you up. There's no jam out for medical support. You're not going to have gunships. You're on your own. And if you're on your own, you better have a plan to get out unless you plan on just letting yourself die on the street. So get, in this case, get captured. That was a dude. He should have had an escape plan, and they didn't have one. They had. To, I'm going to tell you right now, those dudes are going to get exploited in a bad way. And the other thing they did is they were not sanctioned. They're not sanctioned by the government in any kind of way, um, you know, and probably the reason, only reason the U.S. government wants to get them back, because one, it's an embarrassment, two, it's a political thing. Um, you know, how dare we, you know, abandon, you know, Americans in another country, even though they're, they're dumbasses. And three, when you go there and do that kind of work, you need to know that you might as well have a plan to either escape or fight trying. But, you know, <laughs> they got caught in broad daylight in a boat. What, what in the hell were they thinking? you know, unarmed on top of everything else, man. And so they had a shitty plan. I had a plan. Um, it was nothing like that kind of plan. Let me just put it that way. Um, I think, you know, these guys were amateurs. Uh, they might've been SF. I don't even know if they were full-time. I mean, uh, regular SF. I think they were 10th group or something like that. But um, the, the inside story I got, they were, you know, they were not prepared for this. The planning sucked. And, uh, they, you know, they went about the wrong. I'm not trying to judge them. You know, mm-hmm. look, there's a lot of money. You know, I was on a project worth $880 million. Um, I jumped right on that sucker. You know, why wouldn't you, right? I don't know what this one was worth, but, uh, you know, if it was even somewhere close to that, you know, 
I would have been, I'd have done it, you know. Yeah. I, don't, I can't say I blame them. Yeah. Uh, I just think their plan probably sucked. And uh, I always went into these operations with the mindset that, uh, you know what, I'm not going to get rolled up. Um, I get rolled up, you know, that's going to probably be worse than dying on the street, man. I'd rather fight and die, mm. you know, or try escape before I get uh, get captured. I'm, they're going to capture me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take myself out. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's an embarrassment to SF, guys. Like, really? Come on, dude. You guys are better than that, you know? Um, freaking, it was amateur hour, I think. But um, <laughs> uh, anyways, um, somebody was asking something about what's the, you know, uh, uh, the worst food they ever ate downrange. I'm going to let Joe answer that question. Joe, tell them what's the, like, the craziest food you've ever eaten. <laughs> well, I mean, I can tell you just um, – Military-wise, I actually was sent to uh, Haiti uh, for Operation uh, Uphold, Maintain Democracy back then. And we had T-rats the entire time. The food on the economy was so tainted, uh, you couldn't eat anything. It was just it's one of the dirtiest, nastiest countries, poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. We were there for six months, so we ate shit food. Um, but, like, when I was on dual survival, dude, really – Grub worms. I had a, I ate an armadillo one time. Uh, we uh, Matt caught it, and uh, we were cooking it. I'm like, man, this thing smells good, and all the fat was dripping off it in the fire, and I was hungry as shit. And I tell you what, man, I took one bite of that damn thing, and I was like, Pah! I mean, it tasted so bad. It, I, it was the worst gamey taste I have ever had in my in my life. Um, but yeah, and that's why I got permanent stomach problems right now is because of that show. Just water and just shit food that I ate over and over and over um but yeah I would have to say the worst meal meals that I had was in Haiti eating tea and you ever seen tea rats Tom no they look like giant tuna cans and then you have to boil water you have to like this heater you, you boil the water and you throw these things in it and you heat them then you open them up with like a a John Wayne yeah yeah, yeah and it's yeah. just like the, like the, the literally, I'm sure Dell's had them. The eggs are literally green. You open up the, and I, I'm not shitting you, dude. And it's like Jello. It, oh. The eggs, oh, it's disgusting. Dude, I'm about to gag talking dude, I'm, about I'm, it. I'm, so I'm nauseous hearing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's yeah. Jesus. Man, here's, a, here's another question. Um, so this kind of, I think, in my, I like talking about this is what did they, what did we, those guys do in their off time, right? Yeah. So, all right. So here's the deal, right? So as a motivational coach, um, you know, what I always do is encourage people to maximize their time and don't waste it on things that are non-productive, right? Um, so people want to know, how did I get my, for example, my doctorate degree? I got my entire doctorate degree while overseas um, in Afghanistan. So if I wasn't out kicking indoors and, you know, and, and, and going after bad guys, I wasn't in the gym and I wasn't in my, in the mess hall grabbing some food, I was in my room studying. And I earned my college, my doctorate degree of 17 months doing it that way. Um, so I maximized my downtime. I could have, there's a lot of guys I still remember, you know, in the, in the uh, MWR room playing video games, you know, Doom and all the, whatever else they play, right? And they were getting drunk and playing video games. I thought, man, what a waste of time. Mm-hmm. You know, that time I decided I'd take that time for myself and, and make a, you know, better myself for me and my family in my career down the road. So maximize your time because you only get a finite amount of time. Okay. Um, and you don't know what that amount of time is. It could end almost like that. 
and it can go for a very long time. But whatever it is, you need to prepare yourself and maximize your time. That doesn't mean you can't have fun and enjoy, you know, personal time. You know, I've done all the fun stuff I want to do and then some. And actually, I'm doing more of it now because, you know, I sucked it up a little bit earlier on in life, you know, and did the hard time then so that I could have more more fun time now, you know, and I'm actually enjoying life. I don't know if we talked about this, but, you know, I live in Bali, Indonesia. How cool is that, right? Yeah. My business in Indonesia. Um, I wake up in an exotic place with exotic women seeing, you know, living in an exotica, man. It's yeah. like, you know, I'm living the dream because I did the work up front. And, uh, and now I'm literally living a dream, so to speak. Um, so maximize your downtime, you know, if, if you're listening to me out there. Um, and then, um, well, what do you have to say about that, Joe? I don't want to keep running my mouth. Man. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I, uh, I, say this all, I say this all the time. You know, we're here for a blink of an eye. Tomorrow's not promised. Yeah. Yesterday's over. You yeah. only have today. Yeah. Um, and I like today, it was a great day for me. The gyms reopened here and I went and worked out. So, you know, oh, uh, my, my day is, you know, um, training, you know, physical fitness, hitting the gym, swimming, um, keeping my body strong, my mind strong and reading. I do a lot of reading. Like I'm sitting here right now and every time I'm out here, I, I'm, I'm reading this book right now. Um, and it's, everything's a learning. It's, it's called one mission uh -huh. anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah, great. It's by Chris Russell. Uh, General McChrystal was his, um, it was actually General McChrystal's 2IC. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't just sit. I have yeah. got to be doing something perpetually. Yeah. I, I don't watch TV. Uh, you know, I, I watch the news a little. I may watch a movie every now and then. But that, it, for me, is a complete lack of, of time uh, and, and misuse of time. And Dale and I talk about this in our coaching. Um, is If you're sitting there playing Xbox for eight hours a day, what – Think yeah. about like Dale. Look at Dale. I mean, he's got his doctorate because he put time and effort downrange yeah. you know, in a combat zone yeah. and, and got his doctorate. I mean, that's a perfect example of using your time wisely. But now, it's so sad because a lot of people don't. Right? Now, how do y'all do that with your coaching tier one performance? It's it's it it sounds great and awesome hearing it from yeah you know just alpha spec ops guys like yourselves, but to someone like me or any other Joe Schmo it's you know like you almost expect you almost expect this super um super awesome positive professional time management from guys like y'all because that's just that's how you operate that's the only reason you can do what you do and do what you did but to just the average joe listening like me or my friends what what i mean i know you can't give it away because that's y'all's company but what's it what's something that you that you can tell them with tier one performance coaching how to utilize your time because you're right eight hours of video games i mean dude in one week i mean just a monday through friday that's 40 hours i mean how quickly does that add up to ten thousand? Ten thousand is what's taken to master a talent you could become a master in something exactly yeah. and tom you know what it is tom and they'll tell you this too it's all mindset um you've got to get it in your mind to change your way of thinking and for those people that come home and play their video games they got to get out of that mindset people that come home and sit there in front of the TV and watch TV for six hours. They got to get out of that mindset. You got to break it and, and reset it. And we do that through a very proprietary uh, fashion, which is, you know, uh, psychosomal engineering. And Dale is an expert at this stuff. Uh, I know about it, but Dale's, you know, he's got his doctorate in natural health and stuff, and he knows his stuff cold. But 
in my opinion, and we'll get Dale's here in a second, that's what you just got to change your mindset. If you're, if you're happy doing what you're doing day after day after day after day, then keep doing it. Yeah. Um, that, that is literally the form of, of insanity is a technical definition is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different you know, result. Yeah. You're not. So yeah. you got to change your mindset. That's not hard to do if you give or given the proper tools and Dale and I give people the proper tools and we've got a lot of success stories. Um, and, um, you know, I think that, um, that's all it is and wanting to do it. You want to do it. If you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it anyway. But anyway, Dale, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, it's, um, so to Joe's point, right. If you want to change your, the, your performance in life, right. And you have certain goals that you want to achieve, you have to change your mind. And it's not just a matter of, okay, I'm, I changed my mind. I'm going to do this, right? So this is where we kind of separate ourselves from the herd. As Joe mentioned, psychosoma engineering, which is really a, a form of mind-body engineering. Think of it as a, a, a wheel with three spokes on it, okay? And those three spokes all have to be the same length. They have to be equal, all right, in order for that wheel to be round and roll properly. And, uh, and so we break it down into these, this triad, right, which is one is the body, right? So taking care of your body, it's the vessel that carries the brain, okay? Um, if your body ain't right, your mind's not going to be right. And, and too many, too often people dismiss the physicality of life, you know, like, well, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to work out. You know, I, I need to work, you know, I got to do this. I got to take care of the family. But they don't understand that the importance of taking care of your body. There's a lot, there's a lot of things we're going to go into uh, when we talk about the body. Um, you know, there's... <laughs> Man, there's so much. The, the body systems themselves are made up of different energy points and things like that, meridians. Um, it's energy, right? And so that takes me to the next, sec, the, next, uh, the next spoke, which is mindset, right? Changing your mindset, okay? Talking about we go into self-governance, right? Changing the way you think about everything, challenging your perspectives, challenging paradigms out there, and, and adjusting all of that and setting yourself up for success. It's not, a, it's not enough to go, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. I changed my mind. I am going to do this, right? There's so much more to, you know, willpower. In fact, Emil Koo, um, you know, the founder of Autogenic Conditioning said, when willpower and imagination are in conflict, imagination always will. I don't care how much willpower you have. If you don't have the imagination, you'll never meet your, meet your goals. In fact, only 2% of the population can do that. Um, the third part is the third spoke on this, on this wheel is is what we call the the ether, right? It's frequency. It has nothing to do with the spirit, right? Blah, 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 the Holy Spirit, you know, cheerleader spirit. No, we talk about frequency. We actually talk about energy, okay? Real energy. I mean, EMF type energy, right? Electromagnetic frequency type energy. So that's the third part, which is tied to the first two spokes, right? They all have to be congruent. And, and usually almost always. In fact, the 98% of the population that does not self-actualize, does not realize their dreams, becomes this person like me, for example, living in Bali and enjoying life. The reason they don't hit that, that they become one of the 2% is because those folks are not of the same length. Mm. Okay. That wheel's all jacked up and they're bumping down the road and they're going all over the place, putting a straight line to the objective. Um, Jeremy Kibetham, he's an 1800 uh, philosopher. He said that, um, you know, and, he, and he's the father of what we call uh, utilitarianism. Utilitar utilitarianism. Um, but basically, what he says is this. Human beings, we would rather pursue pleasure and avoid pain in, ev in everything that we do in life, right? So it's much harder to actually bear down and, you know, and burn a midnight oil and study 
than it is to go to bed and go to sleep or play a video game, right? It's a lot easier to go into combat and, and you know, and, and do combat operations, um, go to the gym, eat, and then play video games rather than go into your room and round out your day with, you know, three or four hours in your, in the books trying to better yourself, right? That's painful. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that's the, again, the dif difference between those that succeed and those fail that fail is this particular mindset. And this also this knowing and understanding of frequency and how to manipulate it and channelize it for success. Um, even Albert Einstein has said it. Okay. Success is nothing more than frequency. It's nothing more. It's not philosophy. It's nothing but frequency. It's physics, period. Yeah. Physics. Yeah. So, you know, so that's where we are on this thing. And so what we do is through our life and our experiences, I've had, I've, I've understood this concept since the time I was 15 years old. I figured it out on my own. Didn't even know it was a thing. And I've applied it to everything I've done in life. Joe has too. Um, he, he, has applied it unwittingly, not realizing that it's actually a thing that he right. was doing this whole time. So now that we've, you know, we've arrived to a place in our lives, actually I have a long time ago that, okay, this is a thing and this is what it looks like. Okay. And this is how I can use it to make myself better to be, to realize the dreams. And so it's works. It works for me. It works for Joe. So when people ask me and Joe, how the hell did you do all these things? Right. And in fact, there's a question here said, uh, you know, how do we balance, you know, work and, and, and life during our careers. Well, my whole life is my career, right? And so, right. and and I find perfect balance. You know, like I said, I've got children. I've got, you know, I got, I'm married. I, I can go on all day long. I have a great place to live. And, uh, but I, I don't give up. I still, like right now, we're, you know, Joe and I are building another company, you know, this another company, you know. They're, and it's not even work for me and Joe. That's the great part about it. It's not even work. It's like a labor of love. We're having a good time doing cool stuff and oh, making money at it and building a company, yeah. right? Yeah. We've changed our frequency, we've changed our mindset so that we're working on a level, operating on a level that we wanna be on that's comfortable, okay? It's pleasurable, there's no pain, right? But we're, we're, we're producing, we're, we're the top 2%. Yeah. And we can teach everybody else how to do that. If you wanna learn, we have a process for doing that. In fact, tonight, by the way, um, starting tonight for the next three nights, we're having a one-hour seminar, free seminar every night. You go to our website, and the, you can see the link on there for that. You can join our webinar and and listen to what we're putting out. We're going to be talking about exactly these these concepts that were that uh, I just mentioned here a minute ago. You know, so it's free. Um, join it, come and learn something, and uh, who knows where this will take? You might have changed your whole life. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you know, I know all this is true. Here's here's the very simple way to explain this where you know this isn't bullshit. Have you ever been in a group of people or around a certain person? You didn't know them, maybe never even spoke to them, but you're just getting this weird vibe off of them. Just yeah, it's energy, brother. Yeah, it's energy. I gotta tell you, when I started really digging into this, um, I cut several people out of my life that I had known for 20, 30 years. And I told these people, you got to stop with this negative bullshit, negative, 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 negative. You're, you're affecting my life hmm. with this negative stuff. And the minute I got rid of it, it was, it, it just, things started happening in a positive way. So there's a very easy example, just being around someone, you just, you know, the hair on the back of your neck stands yeah. up. You just get a bit, it's energy, dude. It's energy. They're putting off negative energy. And I, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like Dale said, I didn't even know what this stuff was. I didn't know it was a thing. 
until way later in my life, way later. And now I know it's for real because I can look back at my life and go, yep, there's an example. Yep, there's an example. Yep, there's another example. It's undeniable. Yeah. It's undeniable. Um, I'm like you. I've I've told Dale in the last episode he and I did. Yeah, I never knew what it was. But in college, it's exactly what I did was just, yeah, balancing mind, body, and soul. And just, yeah, cutting out negative people, being positive. And like – that's how I got into medical school. I got into a school where 15,000 people applied and a hundred got in. Like you don't, you don't exactly. do it by accident. Like, you know, no, it's not, dude, there's no such thing as coincidence and accidents. Yeah. It's, you know, and it was like, Dale and I were thinking of the other day, how do you explain this to people where they can understand it? And Dale actually came up with it. It's like an electric car. Perfect example. You know, you've got the engine, a transmission, and then you've got the electricity. Well, that's the same thing. It's your mind, your body, and then the energy. You, know, you have this cool yeah. car, this electric car with a badass engine and a badass transmission in it. But if you don't have the fuel, the energy, the electric, it ain't going nowhere. Yeah. It, all, all the cylinders have to be pumping. And I've been in that. I've been that person where, you know, I was off balance, like, you know, where my wheel wasn't round. It was freaking oblong. Yeah, boom, yeah. Boom, yeah. Going down the road, like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And once you get everything in, 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 in sync, and and uh working together and all the cylinders are firing that's when the magic actually starts to happen yeah. and it doesn't take long no, it really doesn't take long and you no know, what you just said is perfect yeah when it's oblong that's exactly what life feels like you have your ups and your ups and then you have these just like bam face in the pavement exactly. you're like what is that and when it's a wheel not only does it go smoothly, but what can you do once it's going smoothly? You can get some fucking momentum on that fucker. You can get that's it going. Right. That's where you get going. That's where you end up in Bali with your fourth company. Yeah, Dale exactly. Fuck. Joe Teddy. It's 3 p.m. I said I'd only keep you for an hour. Tier 1 performance <laughs> coaching. I will link your shit. Awesome. <laughs> Check it out, everyone. And, guys, thank you so much for doing this. I, Thanks, hope, um, I hope nice men in black suits don't come knocking on my door. Um, nope. If they do... They're fault. Deny everything. Just deny everything. <laughs> deny everything. I didn't sign anything, so I'm. And make counter accusations. Yeah. All right. Or or, or yeah. If I disappear, I'm down in Guantanamo. So um, there you go, <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you so Thanks, much. Mom. I will link everything, and Dale, I will put that uh, link to the seminar y'all doing for the next three nights in there. Yeah. It's all also right. tier one. Uh, our Facebook page, tier one performance coaching. You can go there and, and also click on the link. It'll ask you just to register. It's free. Um, but they'll send, they'll, then you'll get an email with all the, uh, the links for the, for the zoom and, uh, such up is very easy, but, yep. uh, just, just go to our website or our Facebook page, tier one performance coaching.com. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, man. Gentlemen. Thank you so right. much. Thanks, Tom. Till next time. I'll see you guys. Joe, Dale. Sure. Peace. 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 Peace.